the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The Answer. Yes, indeed it is. Good morning to you. Thank you for joining us for the Bob France Authority at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this free-for-all Friday edition of the Extravaganza, 28th morning of the 12th month of the year of our Lord, 2018. Day number seven of the partial government shutdown over the funding of President Trump's border security wall. We have a lot of really good stuff coming up for you on the program today. Coming up, in about a half an hour, a little less, Congressman Jim Renacci, for his last visit with us as a congressman. We may reach out to the congressman from time to time in his private life to talk about other matters, uh, just to kind of get his uh, um, opinion and expertise on various matters. But for the last time as a representative of Ohio's 16th Congressional District, we'll talk to him about the holdup in Congress. I'm going to ask him a little bit about what his plans are, his future plans, by the way, as he uh, exits public life and into uh, back into the private sector. Of course, he's a highly successful private uh, businessman before he gave up uh, all of that in order to um, serve uh, in the United States Congress. But we're going to talk to him about that, and we're also going to talk about some of the function or dysfunction in the United States Congress. There was literally nothing happening yesterday on Capitol Hill. The leader's office is virtually empty. Nobody was trying to advance something to, to uh, end this shutdown, to try to get this um, border security wall funded, uh, to try to negotiate, whatever the case might be. Nothing really went down yesterday, and that, to me, is just typical of the problem in Washington, D.C. So Congressman Jim Renacci will join us to discuss that. At 10.05 today, you get special bonus Kersenow. Peter Kersenow will join us to talk about border wall funding. We'll talk to him about um, uh, international affairs, uh, not just related to Mexico and Central American countries that are all about this, but also talk to him about Syria 
and uh, what what is going on as the president continues uh, his plan to exit the troops out of a very, very important strategic position in the fight against uh, international terrorists, radical Islamic terrorists. We'll talk to him about that and more. That'll be at 10.05. And at 10.35, I am going to speak with a writer for a front page, uh, excuse me, front page magazine that put together a really great piece. The uh, top 10 liberal ideas that deserve our scorn and our derision from 2018. It's just a lot of fun. These are uh, the top 10 things that liberals had tried to advance or tried to do or tried to um, uh, push upon us in 2018 that are most worthy of our mockery and derision and embarrassment of riches from which to, sh- to uh, choose. Karen Cataline will be joining us to discuss that. On CNN last night, and for the better part of the last 12 hours, actually, they were discussing something else. They were discussing the President of the United States, whom they criticized for not going to Iraq to visit our troops. First President, they said, who would not have done so since 2002, which is before we went, of course, uh, to Iraq in 2003. This was the story they told, right? Then, of course, they found out the President was there. And it's like, oh, well, harumph. It's just proof that shaming this president works. It's only because of our criticism that he actually went. Of course, that wasn't true, because as they were all tweeting their anger at him for not going, he was busy arriving secretly on the ground in Iraq. So they had to find something else to complain about. What did they complain about? The fact that the troops actually liked him. One soldier there at the air base, meeting and speaking with the President of the United States, told him directly, you, sir, are the reason I rejoined the military. He had served, he had exited the military honorably, and then when President Trump was elected, he felt like there was, this was somebody he could uh, rally behind and fight behind, and he rejoined the military because of President Trump. Others just said, Mr. President, we love what you're doing, we appreciate your support, would you sign my MAGA hat? <laughs> the red Make America Great Again hats. And the president said, absolutely. And this, of course, is wholly unacceptable to CNN. How dare the troops show respect to the commander-in-chief? And, and, Barbara, we saw the president signing a campaign hat, uh, a red hat, uh, his Make America Great Again hat. Uh, is that unusual to see the president doing that on base uh, does this run the risk of the president, you know, facing some accusations that he's turning some of this into a campaign stop? What do you think? Well, you know, this is very interesting. The pool reporters traveling said that the troops brought the hats with them, including one hat that said Trump 2020. We will have to see if that actually proves to be the case. The question is, if they if they brought them or if the president brought them, what commander allowed that to really happen? Because this is very much against military policy and regulation. Troops are not supposed to be involved in political activities. The U.S. military is not a political force. And there's no question uh, the saying Trump 2020 and Make America Great Again, those are political slogans of a Trump campaign. They are not governmental uh, Sayings to put to say the least, right? And, and John, I mean, what would the concern be if something like that is going on? Do you think, or is this just 
you know, a soldier is there, he's got a hat in his, in his locker, and he runs over and says, hey, when am I going to have another chance for the president to sign one of these things? Yeah, look, I mean, it kind of blurs the line because the, the Trump is his slogan, and where's that, where's, that, you know, where's that line? But Barb's right, it is, in fact, a campaign slogan. That is a campaign item, and it's completely inappropriate for the troops to do not this. Not supposed to do it. Not supposed to do this, and I'm sure that their bosses seeing that, they're, they're not going to be happy about it. But look, the president has to take some ownership of this, too. Every time he's around military audiences, he tends to politicize it, and he brings in complaints and grievances from outside the realm of military policy. This was wrong for him to do it as well. I'm going to be really interested to see, Jim, when we get video of his comments to the troops, his actual speech, Al-Assad, uh, and I hope that he didn't politicize that those sets of remarks, but we'll have to wait. So this is CNN. This is the mainstream news. This is the, uh, the unbelievable destroy uh, hannity likes to call it to destroy trump media on his program every night I, I it's really hard to say anything other than that they are trying to destroy the president they are looking for anything and everything they can use to try to take a bite out of him to criticize him to to blame him for the troops being excited about a meet, about meeting the commander-in-chief and asking him to sign their hats well i'm gonna go ahead and just assume then right I didn't watch CNN. I don't watch CNN, so maybe I missed it. But I'm going to go ahead and assume that the same reporters and anchors and guests and analysts and uh, uh, individuals speaking on CNN were equally outraged and concerned about the politicization of the troops when Barack Obama autographed all of their pictures of Barack Obama. Huh. What an amazing turn of events this is. Barack Obama signed personal objects like his photo while visiting U.S. troops during his tenure. There are pictures of it. First Lady Michelle Obama also provided her signature to those who asked in all of the places that they went, including of troops. And no one said a word. As a matter of fact, if Barack Obama had been in Iraq two days ago signing more stuff for the troops, the media would have celebrated it. Look at the popularity of President Barack Obama, the commander-in-chief, connecting in a deeply personal way with the troops sent to do his bidding. The commander-in-chief talking to the rank-and-file military, giving them the thrill of a lifetime. I bet there are thrills going up their legs right now, just like Chris Tingles Matthews. Look at Barack Obama, a true champion of the people, a true champion of the military. He knows that these are the men and women who do his fighting for him, and he gives them the respect, signing personalized autographs. That's how the media would have covered this. And as a matter of fact, as it turns out, they didn't cover it at all. When Barack Obama did these things, again, there are pictures everywhere of this. But CNN is all over it when it's Donald Trump signing it. And, and did you catch the first part of the clip that I just played? Listen to the first part of the clip. See if this part uh, makes any sense to you, okay? Um, they're actually talking about pool reporters, including their own pool reporters, and then questioning the reporting that is being done by the pool. Listen Andy, again. Barbara, we saw the president signing a campaign hat, uh, a red hat, uh, his Make America Great Again hat. Uh, is that unusual to see the president doing that on base? Uh, does this run the risk of the president, you know, facing some accusations that he's turning some of this into a campaign stop? What do you think? Well, you know, this is... You, 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 uh, before I even go back to this part, 
You know, there's just always something new with these people. What would have happened, do you think, if there were videos taken of the president by the pool reporters and camera workers there of soldiers coming up to the president on that airbase with hats and pens in hand and handing them to him and him pushing them away, pushing the hat away, pushing the pen away, and refusing to sign the hats? What would the, what the media have said? What would they have called the president? They would have called him anti-military. They would have called him elitist. They would have called him too uh, too important to, to bother with the you know simple requests of uh, of underpaid soldiers doing an a thankless job in a terrible place like Iraq. How can the president be so cold? How can he be so callous? Right or wrong? You tell me. In all seriousness, what would they have said had he not signed? They would have killed him for not signing. And so he does sign, and what do they do? Oh, <laughs> he can't do. Is, is the president politicizing things by signing these soldiers' hats that they are thrusting at him? I mean, the man cannot win in some case. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that President Trump hasn't made his fair share of mistakes, self-inflicted wounds. He does. He absolutely does. He made some mistakes in this very trip. When he, when he, when he uh, essentially lied to the troops about getting them a 10% raise, they're getting about a 2.5% raise. He does make mistakes. But in some cases where everything he's doing is right, no matter what it is, no matter how benign it is, he is going to be ripped whether he did it right or wrong. <clears throat> Excuse me, whether he did it one way or the other, both sides will be considered wrong. If he didn't sign the hats, he's cold and callous and completely indifferent to the troops. If he does sign the hats, he's politicking. He's campaigning. He's signing a Trump 2020 hat. He's signing a Make America Great Again hat, and that is a, is a campaign slogan, so that's a campaign issue. That's just damned if you do and damned if you don't. But they tried to make it even more nefarious, did they not? Again, going back to the CNN audio here, as they talk about the hats and their origin, their source. Very interesting. The pool reporters traveling said that the troops brought the hats with them, including one hat that said Trump 2020. That's, that's part A. Listen to that carefully. Pool reporters. Mainstream media. The very media that is there to chronicle all of this stuff. This isn't, you know, this isn't Sarah Sanders. This isn't um, Kellyanne Conway. These are pool reporters who witnessed firsthand soldiers bringing hats to the president. But listen to the, uh, the the next line. We will have to see if that actually proves to be the case. The question is, if they if they brought them or if the president brought them. <laughs> They don't even trust themselves. CNN is so used to being fake news, they literally don't know when they can believe their own news. You just heard her say it. Pool reporters say they saw the troops with their own hats, their own hats coming to the president to sign them, and then we have to find out if that's true. You just said the pool reporters saw it. Yeah, but it might not be true. Maybe they weren't their own hats. Maybe the White House stocked Air Force One filled with red hats and gave them out to the troops, and then the troops pretended like they were theirs and ran over to have them signed. <laughs> if the president, if the president of the United States, 
was not popular among these troops. Regardless of whether or not he brought the hats or they had them on their own and planned on having them signed by the president, one way or the other, then the troops would not have brought them up, brought them up to be signed. If the president was not popular, it doesn't matter where they got him, they would have said, I'm not getting him to sign this. Either because, hey, I don't like him, or B, I'm not supposed to be political, I'm not going to do this. But they all came rushing. And naturally, CNN and the mainstream media is going to find something wrong with it, no matter how it went. So we don't even trust our own pool reporters who say this was the troops with their own hats. But we'll have to wait and see if that's true. Unbelievable. All right, we have a lot lot more to talk about. We've got Kersenau, again, I'm sorry, Renacia at 935. We've got Kersenau at 10.05, and we got a retrospective of the dumbest thing the liberals did and stood for in 2018 coming up at 10.35. In between, before and after those interviews, your phone calls are welcome. 216-901-0945. It's the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. It is 926, the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer talking shut down this morning, talking about the, uh, uh, talking about the battle over the border funding wall, or the border security wall, rather, and funding it. Um, Budget Director Mick Mulvaney was on Fox, uh, uh, Friends, Fox and Friends this morning, uh, talking about what the standstill, or what, what, who is really responsible for the standstill we seem to be at right now. Chuck Schumer voted for border security in 2006. He voted for it again, I think, in 2011. Um, it seems like Democrats really like border security when there's a Democrat in office and don't like it when Donald Trump is in office. And I think what the president is trying to do, and rightly so, is, is shed some light on what's happening here. In all fairness, I think that uh, having worked with uh, the vice president, I met with uh, Leader Schumer um, last Saturday, the last time we sat down face-to-face, and my gut was that he was really interested in doing a deal and coming to some sort of compromise, but the more we're hearing this week yeah. is that it's Nancy Pelosi who's yeah. preventing that from happening. Exactly. That's exactly what we knew was going to be the case. And that's why this is, despite media perception and despite the president's previous statement about being proud to have a shutdown in order to get border security, this is a Democrat shutdown. It truly is. Mark is calling us from Fairview Park on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Mark. Go right ahead. Morning, Bob. I'll make it real fast. I know you're not got news coming up, but uh, yes, sir. I don't even get excited about a lot of these things anymore. You know, next thing I expect to see, they're going to check the DNA on the hat and uh, see if uh, <laughs> Trump touched it or whatever. But anyhow, uh, you know, the raison d'etre for the uh, CNN, MSNBC, the raison d'etre for being uh, on the air is just to tra- uh, attack Trump nonstop. And I've been writing to the president uh, once every about three weeks. And since he got in, and one of the first things, this has been going on a long time, and I told him one of the first things, don't get caught being in a restaurant eating Russian borscht soup. And uh, <laughs> what, what I'd like to say, though, also is that uh, looking back now at the officer who was killed out in California, gee, I wonder if uh, how much CNN is going to cover that, if they're going to cover it at all. This is something. This is very, very interesting. Well, they may cover. They may cover it with their, um, you know, token, you know, sad story. Police officer killed. Part of this. Will they focus on his status as an illegal alien? Absolutely not, because it will be like Kate Steinle's killer and a number of other high-profile ones. Another example of liberal Democrat policies and the refusal to enforce our immigration laws and the refusal to allow law enforcement to do their jobs by creating these sanctuary cities, Mark, how they uh, they are responsible for these deaths. So, no, they will not cover that uh, at all. And by the way, 
the president, uh, as Mick Mulvaney just pointed out, talking about how he thinks that uh, really uh, the president's primary opponent here isn't in the Senate, despite the uh, uh, Senate uh, statements made by Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer that the problem really is House incoming House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Sarah Huckabee Sanders agrees with that. I think that's a question you'll have to ask Nancy Pelosi right now. What we've seen from her is that she's unwilling to actually do anything until she gets her speakership. Um, She's more willing to protect that than she is to protect our borders and protect American lives. And we hope that we'll see that change over the next couple of days. Democrat leadership is going to do two things. Number one, some of it bad, some of it good. Number one, the bad um, it is going to hurt this country a great deal. When it comes to national security, Democrat leaders like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer completely abdicating their responsibilities to help secure this country, including by uh, securing our border. That's the bad part. The other thing Democrat leadership is going to do, and this is the good part, is it's going to destroy the Democrat Party. After two years of Nancy Pelosi's activity or inactivity, and Chuck Schumer's as well, it may be even easier for the president in 2020 than anybody ever realized. We'll analyze that more as we continue. But right now it's 930. Congressman Jim Renacci, for the final time as Congressman Jim Renacci, will join us next right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Com. Attention, social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. 9.35 as we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget we've got bonus Kersenow coming up at 10.05 this morning. Actually, not bonus this week. Peter could not join us on Tuesday because we were in um, Christmas mode on Tuesday, obviously, and did not have a live show. So Kersenow at 10.05, and then we talk about uh, the wildest, most ridiculous ideas advanced by Democrats in 2018 with Karen Cataline from Front Page Magazine at 10.35. For now... We say good morning once again for the final time as Congressman Jim Renacci to Congressman Jim Renacci. Good morning, Congressman. How are you? Good, Bob. How are you this morning? Fantastic. Thanks very much for joining us. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas. Did uh, so Was Santa good to you? Christmas was good, as always. It's always great to be with family. And, of course, I was able to spend another Christmas with my 92-year-old mother, which is always great. Oh, that's wonderful. God bless her, and God bless your family. Uh, so I mentioned, uh, before we get into some of the you know stuff going on here on the Hill, uh, before uh, before you depart, let's talk about your departure. This is the last time I'll talk to you uh, as Congressman Renacci. Uh, we may have you back on from time to time later on, if you're willing, just to talk about various issues. But uh, as an actual sitting member of Congress, this is the last time. How do you feel about it? It's uh, it's going to be real uh, come January uh, 3rd, and, uh, and you're officially out of office, uh, which is what your plan was before you decided you were going to run for governor and then got back into the uh, the Senate side of things with that race. Uh, how do you feel about it? Well, Bob, look, it was an honor, and I was always so appreciative to be elected four times to the United States Congress and serve. Uh, there's no doubt my frustrations boiled up over eight years because I still believe that I went down there for the reasons that m- many should go down there. That was to make a difference and change things. Uh, I was able to do a few things. I was able to get some things done. I'm still disappointed that I was never able to bring up the debts and deficit issues as a major. You know, I had a number of bills, but nobody seemed to want to talk about it. But uh, I think that is an issue that's going to continue to plague our country. <clears throat> and uh, I'm concerned that we're not uh, at least doing a fiscal state of the nation address, which I tried to do for almost four or five years. But otherwise, it, it was an honor. I've learned so much. I do believe it's some place that 
everybody should uh, attempt to get to so they can learn so much about our country uh, and that we do need to change things. That's why I believe term limits would be good. So I'm leaving knowing that uh, I uh, serve and uh, and got some things accomplished. As always, I wish I could have got more accomplished, but I'm still going to stay engaged and try and make sure, uh, along with those eight years, my 28 years in business, my eight years in Congress, my running for Senate, my running for governor, gave me a wealth of information that I'm not just going to waste. I want to continue to make sure that I can move our country and state forward uh, in the future. From a, a day-to-day standpoint, are you diving right back into your businesses, or uh, are you going to go into semi-retirement from you know from uh, from uh, in in terms of a forty-hour work week type things, or what are you going to do with yourself? No, you know what, I, I plan on doing a number of things. Uh, I, I'm going to be working with an Ohio good government five hundred one c four to make sure that Ohio continues to move forward. I loved Ohio and what it did for me. Uh, gave, gave me the opportunity to live the American dream. A, a poor kid with just a couple hundred dollars. I want to make sure that opportunity is available to our children and grandchildren. So I want to keep an eye and make sure that continues. We we have a state that continues to fall in the wrong direction uh, compared to other states. So I'm hoping to be able to keep my hands in that. I'm also going to be doing some stuff, uh, hopefully, with another uh, uh, group out of D.C. on the debts and deficits, uh, traveling the country, trying to get people to be aware of our debts and deficit issues. And uh, we'll see where we end up. I know the administration has reached out. Uh, uh, what I've said there is uh, I would only want to serve in a capacity that I can get something accomplished. I don't really want just a job. I want to get something done and give back to our great country and our great state. Uh, one more question on your future, just because I kind of have to. Um, are you done with politics and elected office? Or could you see if the situation was right a few years down the road, uh, perhaps engaging in, in another campaign? You know, I'm uh, I'm never going to say never. I, uh, I've got so much background and experience uh, that I'm going to keep an eye out. Um, I don't believe Sherrod Brown should be our United States senator. I realize he beat me, and, uh, and he won in a fair election. But uh, the answer to that situation is that I jumped in with nine months, and he had a six-year head start. If I would have had a even a two-year or three-year head start and been able to let people know and get that information out a little earlier, I think uh, that would have been a different race. And, of course, I'm, I'm still always interested in the direction the state of Ohio is going to. So I'm not going to take anything off the table. i got uh, a lot of good years left and a lot of experience and a lot of willingness to give back. So... Uh, I guess the easy answer is uh, we'll see what opportunities, if there are any, and if there's a way that I can actually serve our country or our state, and uh, I'll make that decision in the future. I appreciate that. That's a very fair answer, and it's probably a good idea to never say never because you never know who's going to come calling again. You didn't know you were going to run for the Senate until suddenly the White House and the President say, hey, we need you to try to challenge Sherrod Brown here, so you just don't know what's coming. Uh, So let's talk about Capitol Hill right now as you exit or get ready to exit. Uh, your office there. Uh, we're in a partial government shutdown. 25% of the government, a few several hundred thousand employees uh, uh, who are furloughed and uh, uh, not going to be able to work, not going to get paid, at least on time. They may get those funds back later. That has been the case after previous shutdowns. But my concern, Congressman, is how long this one's going to last because um, I just cannot see with 2020 looming, 
I cannot see Chuck Schumer ever agreeing to try to rally 10 votes, uh, Democrat votes in the Senate to give Donald Trump the money to build a wall and then try to tell his base it's okay that we built a wall. Uh, in 2020, I think it's going to hurt them in a big way and they know that. And by the same token, the president can't not get this done and sign another CR or something without the funding for a wall and then expect people to believe in 2020 when it says, I'll get it done in my second term. I feel like both sides have to be dug in here, and this isn't going to end for a long, long time. Well, I would agree with you, Bob, and I've said that all along. The biggest problem in Washington and in our state in many ways is it's all about the next election. It's not really about doing what's right. And even though uh, in 2013 every single Democrat senator supported $46 billion in funding, which included 700 miles of barrier with Mexico, they're in a standstill today because of politics. And even though... Since October of 2017 till August of 2018, we've had over 6,000 pounds of cocaine come through Mexico, 532 pounds of heroin, 439,000 pounds of marijuana, and the list just goes on and on, come through that border. Everybody knows it's about, you know, controlling our border isn't just about national security. It's about cracking down on drug trafficking. Everybody knows that, but you hit the nail on the head. The truth of it is, that nobody wants to give up their political position and democrats want to are concerned about the presidential election our president needs to be able to fulfill his promise of the wall and uh, they're both going to dig in and the, the one thing we talk about government shutdown this is truly not a government shutdown because 75 percent to 80 percent of the government is totally funded in th- september and the parts that aren't funded the president can easily say there, uh, you know, it's of national importance that we continue to fund those and the funding continues. So this is a political shutdown. And this will go on long enough for both sides to get their positions out. And let's see where we end up. But at some point in time, uh, there will have to be a decision made on this portion. And uh, I, th- I do agree with you. I think it goes long into this next uh, cycle. Congressman, I want to uh, propose that we don't have to do this. Um, And you've probably heard it before, but it's the military solution. I'm I'm looking at the budget that was passed this past summer for fiscal year 2019, $716 billion allotted for defense spending for the the Pentagon, which is uh, roughly $82 billion more than the previous year's fiscal spending was approved, uh, budget that was approved, which was more than what the president had even asked for. So Congress was very, very, very willing to give a lot of extra money, some $82 billion plus for defense spending. How and why do we need to ask for more wall fund, money for wall funding when we can take that $82 billion, take what, a little bit less than a quarter, a third of it roughly with $25 billion all it needs and say, this is defense spending. It is the military's job to defend the homeland. It is the military's job to make sure that there are no invasions and there is an invasion coming across that southern border. How can we just not say money's here? It's all good. We're going to tell the Pentagon to go build our wall. Well, again, the wall would have to be appropriated, and that's the problem. We appropriated spending in the military for our military, for our our individuals who are serving, for all of those things. Uh, There would have to be appropriations for the wall. But again, I but isn't that up to the Pentagon to do? Because not all of that 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 seven hundred sixteen billion dollars is going to pay salaries for troops. It's to buy tanks. It's to buy all kinds of other things that are infrastructure for the military. Uh, to buy bombers uh, and so on and so forth. A wall is a part. I mean, uh, how is it not already appropriated for national security for the military? And it's up to the Pentagon to decide how they spend it. 
Well, the Pentagon has uh, certain requirements they need to spend. And again, it's just the way the government, I'm not going to try and explain uh, the simplicities or complexities of our federal government. I can tell you businesses wouldn't run this way either. And I would agree with you in the business world, you could do things like this in the federal government because it's not appropriately um, put into that area, which is homeland security. It's in military. It would not fit in that category. So that's the reason it's uh it's the way the government operates but again i still say look the wall gets paid back i think there's study after study after study that shows that this is an investment this is an expenditure this money actually gets paid back based on the saving that occur by the the uh the what costs us now for illegal uh, immigrants to come in to our country we get this all paid back over the next 10 or 12 years depending on how you look at the study so this is an investment for our country more than just a spending, and that's where I think uh, we seem to uh, continue to make this a political issue. It should be really a good investment for our country. Yeah, I, I certainly agree. It, it, it's got to be viewed as more of an investment rather than spending, um, and, and also when you think about it from uh, the standpoints of, uh, of of profit and loss, we're losing. You know, everybody's got a different figure, but they're all well over one hundred billion dollars a year on illegal immigration. Uh, you know, Fair says it's one hundred sixteen billion. Another organization says it's one hundred thirty billion. And you look at all of the different costs. The president's the only one who really, I think, goes over the top and exaggerates it to two hundred and fifty billion dollars a year that illegal immigration's cost us costs us. But but it's it's at least over one hundred billion dollars. Again, that's on on an annual basis a five billion dollar. Uh, uh, outlay to build a part of the wall right now, a $25 billion for full border security, including the wall, is a simple drop in the bucket compared to that. Uh, that that's, that's, again, why I just quite, can't quite wrap my brain around why we can't just take the money from wherever we have it and say, there it is. I understand your point about uh, you know the way the government works, but perhaps maybe that's what Congress is doing wrong, not fixing and changing the way that part of the government works. Well, again, if government worked properly, we would do all our spending bills. We would do all our appropriation bills. We would pass a budget. That's what Congress is supposed to be doing. That's the frustration I've had for years. Uh, we just passed CRs. It's one of the reasons why I don't support CRs. By the way, Bob, you're going to see a whole slew of additional CRs. Uh, the, the Democrats never passed a budget when they controlled the House. I doubt they'll pass a budget going forward. Uh, we're going to have a CR government going forward. We're going to have Democrats passing it out of the House. We're going to have senators caving in at the end. Yep. Democrats all for supporting it and Republicans wanting to go home. It's going to be about politics as usual, and we'll be back to a, uh, a, a continuing resolution government, which, again, is not the way our founders wanted and why we should fire everybody who continues to support CRs. Last thing before you go as it pertains to this shutdown. Um, I have been routinely mocking because she has routinely made a mockery of herself. You don't have to, you don't have to speak on her about this, by the way. But Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, an incoming member of Congress, has just said so many foolish things that are just so wrong on so many levels. It's easy to mock and to, uh, and to make fun of. But she actually said something that made a lot of sense to me when she said, if the government is going to and the Congress, particularly, is going to shut down because they cannot come to an agreement on spending and on budgeting. Uh, that Congress shouldn't get paid either. 
It's the only thing I've ever heard her say that I thought I agreed with. Uh, you're an outgoing member of Congress, so uh, w- what is your opinion on that? As long as these several hundred thousand people are not being paid during a shutdown, should Congress, which is technically the body that's responsible for getting all of this funding done so that everybody can get paid, should Congress also forfeit their paychecks during this time? Well, look, I've I've also voted for no budget, no pay. I think we should have, if you don't do a budget, you don't do your appropriation bills, you don't get paid. If that was the case, we wouldn't be in this situation because you wouldn't have a shutdown. So I'll go one step further. Make Congress do their job. Um, and I voted for that when we when we had that bill. No budget, no pay. But I'd go one step further. No budget, no, because a budget is just the guidelines. The appropriation bills are the spending bills. you got to mm-hmm. do them both. But that's the job of Congress. So, again, if we don't pass a budget and we don't pass our appropriation bills, we should not get paid. The House passed budgets and appropriation bills multiple times in the eight years that I was in Congress uh, as we're finishing up this eight-year term. The Senate never did. The problem continues to exist in the Senate. We continue to put the same senators back, like Sherrod Brown, who has continued to not pass a budget, and not passing appropriations bills, and yet we put them back in there, and we let this to continue. So, I agree with her in that sense. And uh, and but I I would take it one step forward. Congress, do your job, pass your budget, and pass your appropriation bills. Do not go home. Do not be allowed to go home until it's done. Stay there every day, Saturday, Sunday, Monday until you get it done, force them to get it done, just like you would do in the real world. When you made those uh, uh, proposals on Capitol Hill uh, during these eight years, um, did you get any nods of approval and pats on the back and saying, we're with you, Jim, or did you get did you get daggers stared at you? What the heck are you trying to do, man? No, we're not giving up our paychecks. What, what, what did you get response-wise? Well, people would say it's not my fault, it's the Senate's fault, and that's the truth. I mean, in many cases, it is the Senate's fault. So, it's hard to get that passed because the House looked at the senators and they said, it's not our fault. We did our job. The senators aren't doing their job. But the truth of it is uh, we've we got to blame each other. And the House and the Senate has to work together. So there has to be pain for those that are doing their job to force those that aren't doing their job to do theirs as well. Exactly. Yeah, there has to be, you have to find a way to come together on this, and, and each of you do your jobs, and if you don't, as a, even though there's two separate branches, or two different uh, 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 um, bodies of Congress, or if you will, or two different houses or chambers, you have to work together as a unified Congress to get this done, and if you don't, then nobody gets paid, Senate side or House side, at least that's how I saw it as well. Well, listen, Congressman, well, it's I, been a pleasure. Yeah. I, I would want to add one little thing that was kind of interesting. You know, as we were coming to the end of this year, they were trying to work together just to do a short-term CR. The, the, the House leadership had really come out and said, try and pass this to February. Let's push it off to February. That's the problem, Bob. They were working together in the wrong direction. The Senate had passed a short-term thing and went home. The House leadership said, let's go home. Let's just pass this. I'm telling you, sometimes they work together in the wrong fashion. I'm happy to see that many of us stood up and said, no, we're not going to pass this short-term thing. And I'm glad that the president signed on as well to not getting it done. So it's a great observation. Sure that as well. It's a great observation. Yeah. They did work together, but as you said, for the wrong thing in the wrong direction, and that's the the trouble. Congressman, it's been a pleasure talking with you every week over these last few years, uh, discussing matters on Capitol Hill. I wish you the very best in your private life and in your consultation work and uh, work with PACs and other organizations. And uh, we'll t- check in with you from time to time, maybe just to bounce a few ideas off you, if that's okay. I appreciate it. I look forward to doing that in the future. Thanks again, Bob, and thanks for having me on.
Thank you, sir. Happy New Year to you and your family. That's Congressman Jim Renacci on AM 1420, The Answer. We'll check our traffic and uh, come right back and get a couple of phone calls here on the Bob France Authority. Nine fifty seven on the Bob France Authority on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. A short segment here before the top of the hour in cursing out time. I want you to listen once again to the uh, unbelievable, unmitigated, unfathomable gall of uh, the American left uh, and the Democrat Party, particularly the Senate Democrats who are directly responsible for this government shutdown because they refuse to fund a border wall that they actually believed in as recently as 2009, Chuck Schumer. The American people are fundamentally pro-legal immigration and anti-illegal immigration. Illegal immigration is wrong, plain and simple. When we use phrases like undocumented workers... We convey a message to the American people that their government is not serious about combating illegal immigration, which the American people overwhelmingly oppose. If you don't think it's illegal, you're not going to say it. I think it is illegal and wrong, and we have to change it. Above all else, the American people want their government to be serious about protecting the public enforcing the rule of law, and creating a rational system of legal immigration that will proactively fit our needs rather than reactively responding to future waves of illegal immigration. People who enter the United States without our permission are illegal aliens, and illegal aliens should not be treated the same as people who entered the U.S. legally. Can you imagine hearing him say this today? Liberal heads would explode! The New York Times would, would, would self-combust. CNN, honestly, live air. It, it would be over. This was Chuck Schumer just in 2009, the year after Barack Obama was elected. Killing people for using the term undocumented immigrants. Killing people for not using the term illegal aliens. Telling everybody there is a difference. We like, we like legal immigrants and not illegal immigration or illegal aliens. This is what we say today. The only difference is we said it then and we say it now when we're honest all the way through. Now that it's politically expedient for him in his zeal to over or to, uh, uh, to combat Donald Trump, he has completely reversed positions. But this is 2009. It isn't that doggone long ago. The American people will never accept immigration reform unless they truly believe that their government is committed to ending future illegal immigration. And in- by securing the doggone border and this is schumer speaking at one of the most liberal universities in america he's at georgetown any successful comprehensive immigration reform bill must recognize this fact (laughs) any immigration solution must recognize that we must do as much as we can to gain control of our borders as soon as possible but we also need to set the record straight The American people need to know that because of our efforts in Congress, our border is far more secure today than it was when we began debating comprehensive reform in 2005. 
Between 2005 and 2009, a vast amount of progress has been made on our borders and ports of entry. The progress includes 9,000 new Border Patrol field agents in the last four years, construction of a 630-mile border fence. What? What? Construction of a border fence, a barrier, an impediment to crossing. Chuck Schumer bragged about it in 2009 and now says Trump will never get his wall in 2018. Tell me that this is a Trump shutdown and not a Schumer shutdown. We're back after this on AM 1420 Dance. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 